Okay, so um, Ross asked me to speak tonight about David and Goliath uh, and he subtitled it Clues to Christ. Uh, now I reckon that uh, all of you uh, will be very fairly familiar with the biblical account of David and Goliath. It's one of those things that is taught in Sunday school um, and so most of you have a fair idea of the storyline but you may be wondering what has it got to do with Christ? Well, to familiarise ourselves uh, with the story, we're going to read the Bible passage, and it's taken from 1 Samuel chapter 17. So if you've got your Bibles, it's 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 54. Now, I'm afraid it's quite a long reading, so... Um, if you bear with me, I'll have to get definitely have to get the glasses on now. Um, 1 Samuel, chapter 17, and we're going to read uh, from verse 1 to verse 54. If everyone has got it, it's uh, Old Testament, 1st and 2nd Samuel before 1st and 2nd Kings. Um, all good? Okay, here we go. Okay. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Succoth which belongeth to Judah and pitched between Succoth and Azarek in Ephesdaman. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side and there was a valley between them and there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath whose height was six cubits and a span and he had a helmet of brass upon his head and he was armed with a coat of meal and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spearhead weighed six hundred shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants of Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me, and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him, and kill him, then shall ye be our servants, and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. Then Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. And the man went among men uh, for an old man in the days of Saul. 
And the three oldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons that went to the battle were Eliab the firstborn, the next unto him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening, and presented himself forty days. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn, and these ten loaves, and run to the camp of thy brethren, and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand. And look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning, and left the sheep with the keeper, and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight, and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand in the hand of the keeper of the carriage, and ran into the army, and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel he has come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down thither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride, and the, the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down, that thou mightest see, see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him towards another, and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep 
and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Now servants slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, saying he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armour, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with his coat, with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armour, and he said, said to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them, put them off him. And he took a staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag which he had, even in a script. And a sling was in his hand and he drew near the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that you comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day, unto the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth and all the earth and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands and it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David that David hastened and ran towards the army to meet the Philistines. Meet the Philistines. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead. And the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon, upon the Philistine and took a sword and drew it out of its sheath thereof and slew him 
and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to Sharmin, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel turned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armour in his tent. We'll end the reading. That's a long, long reading. Uh, hopefully you're able to get the gist of the passage. Um, but basically, uh, you know, the way the story goes is basically this. The Philistines had gathered their forces for war against the Israelites. And both armies were encamped on opposite hillsides of the valley of Elah. Now, it would seem that they had been camped there for quite some time facing each other, but not much was happening. Except we are told that a giant from the Philistine army, a man called Goliath, would step uh, out in front of the Philistines, uh, uh, in front of the Philistine lines each morning and evening, and shout across the valley at the Israelite army for someone to come out and to fight him. The deal was, if your man kills me, the Philistines will serve the Israelites. But if Goliath wins, then Israel will serve the Philistines. Sounds like a good deal, doesn't it? Only two people have to fight. No one else gets hurt. The winning side takes all. We're given a pretty good description of Goliath. Commentators uh, reckon that he was almost three metres tall. Just in the old measurement, that maybe bring about nine foot six inches um, tall. I reckon that his biceps, the muscles in his arms, would probably have been bigger than my waist. He was a man of enormous proportions overall, and he was well protected with bronze armour. He had a helmet on his head, he had steel armour on his chest and the upper part of his body. He had a javelin slung over his back, uh, these bronze greaves, leggings, you know, that covered his leg. He had this big spear with a heavy bronze uh, tip and an enormous sword. Uh, he must have been some beast of a man. Uh, even to carry the weight of the armour that he was wearing. And on top of all that, he had another guy, another soldier, he went in front of him, and he carried a shield uh, to protect him. I don't think uh, that any of you would fancy your chances fighting a man like Goliath. The very sight of him marching up and down the valley in the morning and the evening struck terror to the hearts of every Israelite. Uh, or the soldiers opposite looking on would have been terrified. I wonder why does the Bible give us all these details about Goliath? Perhaps it's to help us see just the enormity of the challenge that faced the Israelites. Yet guys, the, the, the reality of the situation uh, is this that the Israelites had a giant of their own. Do any of you know his name? The name of the Israelites' giant? He was a really big man. 
although he was not nearly as big as Goliath. Um, and he was called Saul. He was actually the king. Turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2. See if I can find it here. In fact, there's someone has got it and they want to read it. 1 Samuel 9, verse 2. Anyone got it there? Anyone want to read it? Where you go there, Ross? Huh? And he had a choice. A handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Yeah, from his shoulders up. So he was at least, he was at least a good foot taller uh, than any of the other Israelites. If you remember back in the history of the Israelites, um, the Lord had taken them out of Egypt. Moses had parted the waters of the Red Sea and they'd wandered about in the desert for 40 years before eventually entering the Promised Land. And then the Israelites were governed by, uh, in a period, by people they called the Judges. There was people like Deborah and Gideon and Samson, the most commonly known ones, although the, the Bible the Judges tells us there was 12 mentioned in total. And then there come to a time in their, their, their people's history um, when they became really discontented and they looked at the other peoples and the other nations out around them and they wanted to be the same as them. So they came to the prophet Samuel and they asked Samuel to give them a king like all the, the, the surrounding nations had. And we read about it there in 1 Samuel chapter 8 uh, um, from verses uh, 4 to 9. And I just, I just read for you there. 1 Samuel 8, 4 to 9. Then all the elders of Israel, uh, gathered, the, uh, gathered themselves together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the, all the nations. But the thing displeased this, this Samuel, when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the words which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. The Israelites wanted a king. Um, and Samuel uh, the prophet was not happy with the request, but more significantly than Samuel not being happy, their request for a king displeased the Lord. And why was that? What does verse 7 tell us there? Yeah. It says, uh, For they have re- not rejected thee, that Samuel, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. This pleased the Lord because they were rejecting the Lord as king by asking for an earthly king. They didn't need an earthly king. 
They just needed to trust fully in the Lord their God. But really they were rejecting the Lord. All because they wanted to be the same as the surrounding nations. However, the Lord grants their request even though it displeased him. And Samuel was sent to anoint Saul as king. And we read about that um, a few moments ago. And we read that Saul was an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites. A head taller than any of the others. (coughs) As Goliath came out every morning and evening for 40 days, shouting his challenge across the valley to the Israelites, who do you think would have been the logical choice who would have gone out to fight Goliath? It would would seem to me that the Israelites would send Saul, wouldn't it? Saul was now king, and instead of going out to fight Goliath, he was somewhere behind the battle lines, um, of his soldiers, perhaps in his tent, not knowing what to do about Goliath. In rejecting the Lord as their king, the Israelites um, had had a Goliath of their own, King Saul. The problem from them was that their Goliath wasn't still anywhere near the size of the Philistine Goliath. What Israel desired most in their rejection of the Lord had now failed them in the greatest way. The truth of the matter is that the proper selection of a king has nothing to do with appearance. The Lord told Samuel, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And at the heart of the issue was the Israelites' rejection of the Lord in favour of an idol of their own making, King Saul. And as Goliath stands yelling across the valley, their idol, King Saul, was exposed as worthless. See guys, um, an idol is anything that we put our trust in other than the Lord. And when we turn to idols, God has a remarkable way of making those idols powerless. Israel instead of asking for a king, when they asked for a king, they wanted security, they wanted protection, they wanted power. But now they stand in fear and trembling, overshadowed by the much greater idol of the Philistines. I think that the Lord through Goliath was exposing Israel's helplessness and fear and indeed their need of the Lord. So I want you to see that there's a much bigger picture here. Israel, God's chosen people, had rejected their God. King Saul was not going to come to the rescue and rid Israel of the Philistine army. Perhaps this should act as a reminder to each of us if we reject the Lord God and his offer of redemption by the finished work that Christ has accomplished on the cross, then we too find ourselves in a hopeless situation. The giant Goliath really represents the power of sin in our lives. And if it's left undealt with, it will surely lead to our certain destruction and death. A future with no hope, only slavery to our enemy's sin and its awful consequences. Without Christ, none of us had any hope. Just like those Israelites who looked out across the valley at Goliath 
and they knew that their fate was sealed. <clears throat> but in the midst of the bleak, the bleakness of what the Israelites were looking out on, we're introduced to David. And we're told that David was a son of a man called Jesse. He came from an insignificant place called Bethlehem. He was the youngest of eight sons. So, uh, so David had seven older brothers. And the three eldest were in the Israelite army in the battle lines uh, facing Goliath and the Philistines. David being the youngest was at home and his job was to look after his father's sheep. It wasn't a glamorous job. Um, and in those days it was probably quite a dangerous job. And probably a lot of, a lot of young fellas, maybe that's what you've done, you looked after your father's sheep. Anyway, David's father Jesse sent David with some provisions to go and see how the older brothers were doing. So off David goes with his roasted grain and his, his ten loaves and his ten cheeses for the commander of their unit. And when he gets there, he offloads his, his, his supplies and he runs to the battle lines uh, to greet his brothers. And as David is talking to his brothers, out steps Goliath from the ranks of the Philistines and he's doing his usual. He's shouting out his taunts to the Israelites, Come and fight me! But then he's going to be man enough to come and fight me. And the challenge goes as it went out as it went out so many times. And David sees him. Uh, and David hears Goliath's shouts and he asks the soldiers what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel. You'll notice the difference between David and the rest of the Israelites because we're told that the Israelites all ran from Goliath in fear. David, however, saw things very differently. Verse 26, he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Goliath's challenge wasn't just against the Israelite soldiers. Goliath's challenge was against God himself. And as such, David knew with confidence that the Lord God would give him the victory. <clears throat> I wonder why an ordinary shepherd boy would have such confidence in the Lord. Well, part of the clue lies in something that had happened to David. And we read about this in the, in the previous chapter. Uh, 1 Samuel 16, 10-13. And I'll just, I'll just read it there. 1 Samuel 16, 10-13. It says, Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he saith, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, but we will not sit down until he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. The prophet Samuel 
had anointed David as a sign that he would be the king of Israel. Verse 13 tells us that the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. David's life had been changed. The Holy Spirit was working and active in David's life. And he knew and he recognised that for himself in the past. You skip forward a few verses there in the 17, 34 to 37. That's what David says. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went out after him. So I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it uh, out of the mouth, out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, saying he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. <coughs> David tells of his experiences looking after the sheep. And how when they were being attacked by lions and bears, the Lord had delivered him. In other words, the Lord had enabled David to kill those wild animals. And David says that Goliath, the uncircumcised Philistine who has defied the armies of the living God, will suffer the same fate as the lion and the bear. <clears throat> you see, David could speak with such confidence because he had personal experience of what God had done in his own life. How he had equipped and enabled him in all sorts of difficult and dangerous situations. He knew that he could rely totally on the Lord his God. Every battle that he faced was in the strength of the Lord and it wasn't in his own strength. You know, so I'm not sure there's a big lesson for each of us there. So often we think um, I can sort this out myself. Uh, I can work my way through it. I'm clever enough. I'm strong enough. I can. I will. And it's so easy for just to miss the point. It's not about I. It's all about the Lord <coughs> and being reliant upon him and not upon ourselves. And I think that's an important lesson for each of us to learn. <clears throat> David's confidence didn't go unnoticed by his brothers. The Bible tells us that Eliab, David's older brother, burned with uh, rage at David, at David, burned with anger at David. And you can almost imagine what he's thinking. What does that David fella think he is anyway? <laughs> he's only a wee squirt. My wee brother, and he's only fit for looking after the sheep. He looked at David as insignificant and unimportant, as powerless and almost useless. In fact, Eliab said that David is conceited. That just means he's filled with, uh, with notions of his own importance. 
His, his uh, motivations are wicked. Maybe he's only come to spectate the battle. And you know, guys, it, it can sometimes happen that young believers get the least support at home. And sometimes you only get ridiculed and scoffing. I don't know what it's like about like in your house, but I know for some young believers that can be the way. And that can be very hard to take. Because home should be the place where you get most encouragement. And I hope that is the way for you all here. Anyway, um, reports of what David had been saying uh, get to the ears of King Saul. And David's taken to Saul. Um, and after some discussion where Saul seems to point out the obvious, i.e. Goliath's been a fighting man from his youth, and you're only a lad. Um, and David's confident reply that we read about how the Lord has helped him in the past. Saul agrees to let him go to fight Goliath. And Saul tries to get him to put on his own armour. But it's much too big, and it's much too heavy for David. So David just goes, and he goes down to the stream, and he picks out five smooth stones, and he puts them in his little pouch. And he's armed only with a sling in his hand. And he heads out to meet Goliath. Can you imagine what the soldiers on both sides would have been thinking? They'd be looking at it and going, what's going on here, boys? Look at this. This is going to be some slaughtering match. Goliath's going to mow this young fella down with that big sword. One swipe and he's gone. This isn't anything like a fair contest. Not going to be even with any sort of match at all. We're told that Goliath saw David coming towards him. And it says he despised David. He said, I am, a, am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? And Goliath cursed David by his gods. But David, he made his position clear. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will give me the victory and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all of those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. You see, for David, it was all about the Lord. Goliath's defiance was against the Lord. The Lord had anointed David. The Lord had protected David. The Lord whose spirit, spirit indwelled David. The Lord who would be who would enable David. The Lord to whom David had his confidence and trust in. We all know how the situation ends. David takes one stone out of his pouch, places it in the sling, and as Goliath rushes towards David to kill him. David releases the sling and the stone strikes Goliath in the forehead causing him to fall to the ground dead. The great showdown between Israel and the Philistines is over very quickly. The Philistines flee the pursuit of the Israelites and the battle is won. So I wonder what are we to make of this account of David and Goliath? Well I suppose we can see in it a snapshot of the much greater story of the Bible 
of how from the fall of man in the Garden of Eden to the vision of John in the book of Revelation, the unfurling of God's great redemptive plan. David was like a foreshadow of someone much greater to come. Ross subtitled this, David and Goliath, as clues to Christ. So what clues or pointers or comparisons can we see? God's champion, the one who would secure our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ, arrived in a lowly state. He was born in a stable to parents who were very ordinary folk. Jesus also came from Bethlehem. His job as a carpenter was, was a mundane and insignificant job. Like David, the Lord Jesus was despised by his brothers. Um, and he was weak in the eyes of the Jewish leaders. Jesus' glory was hidden in his humility. We draw all the compassions, there are all the comparisons from the life of David to the Lord Jesus. And I don't really know what the importance or the significance of them is. But I think of much greater importance is the bigger picture that we see in this Old Testament account of David and Goliath. And the bigger picture is of a people, God's chosen people, who had um, who had rejected the Lord God as their Lord and King for a king of their own making. In this account, the Israelites wanted to be like all the peoples around them. They wanted a king to lead them into battle. And as I said earlier, they wanted a king who would give them security, protection and power. And in doing so, they turned away from the Lord their God. And it's a a story that's repeated many times in the Old Testament of people who had forsaken the Lord and had gone their own way. Which only led to their downfall and to their defeat and to their death. But the story of the Bible is this. God sent his son into human history. Some 28 earthly generations um, after his direct descent in David. He took on human nature. He defeated the devil and the power of death uh, forever on the cross in Calvary. He defeated our greatest enemy, our greatest Goliath. Satan himself. At the cross, Jesus paid the price in full for all our rebellion and for all our idolatry. It's in Jesus' victory that we are more than conquerors. You see, there's no sin in our lives that he cannot forgive. No idol that he can't defeat. Goliath is forever crushed and destroyed. God calls us, he calls you and me, to put our trust in Jesus as our Lord and as our King. And to give up whatever or whoever else you might be relying upon. By faith we live in the victory that Christ has won. The battle has always belonged to Jesus Christ. Don't ever take that honour from God true champion. The Bible says that there is no other name by which we may be saved. We'll just bow our heads and we pray. 
Lord, we just um, thank you again for your word. We thank you it's the living word. And Lord, we realize that your word is, uh, brings our lives into the mirror. And Lord, you know each of our hearts. You know whether we are trusting fully in you. Whether you're our God and Christ is our Savior. Or whether we're, we've turned from you and we're relying on someone or something else. Lord, we ask that you would rule and reign in each of our hearts. That we might have no other God other than you. We ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would so fill our lives that every day that we live for your glory and for your honour. So help us, Lord. Pour out your blessing upon us. Enable us to be the people that you would have us be. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And Lord, just at this time too, we just want to give you thanks for the food that has been provided for us. We ask your blessed to us. We ask all these things in Jesus' lovely name. Amen.